Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. NBN listeners like to read books and buy them. So we thought we'd tell you that right now, our friends at Princeton University Press are having a remarkable site-wide sale. You can get 50% off books, including ebooks and audiobooks, with the code 50, F-I-F-T-Y, at checkout until May 31. You can save some real money on Princeton University Press books. I encourage you to go there and check it out. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the New Books and Political Science podcast. I'm Lily Gorin, a guest host for the New Books podcast. Today, I'll be speaking with Stephen Knott about his co-authored book with Tony Williams, Washington and Hamilton, The Alliance That Forged America. Steve and I have known each other for a little while, shall we say. And as always, I have learned a great deal from his work, especially on the American founding in the early years of the New Republic. Steve, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Oh, thank you, Lily. Well, um, I've always had an interest in American history. My uh, doctoral degree is in political science, but I've, I've kind of always been a closet historian of sorts. Uh, and I don't know if that stems from having grown up in Massachusetts, where there's sort of a lot of historical monuments around and I didn't grow up all that far from Lexington and Concord and places like that. So I've had a particular interest in, interest in the founding era of American history, uh, but also more broadly uh, in the American presidency. So I uh, received a bachelor's degree from Assumption College uh, back in 1979. It's a small Catholic college in Worcester, Mass., and then later, uh, a PhD from Boston College, which is where I met you, Lily, uh, and uh, have taught since then at the University of New Hampshire, very briefly at BC, and then seven years at the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs, and another six years at the Miller Center of Public Affairs at the University of Virginia, which is uh, the Miller Center is devoted to the study of the American presidency. So. For me, that was like, uh, as the Irish Catholics like to say in this area, dying and going to heaven. Uh, and so I had the privilege there of working on an oral history program that did uh, interviews with a number of prominent presidential appointees from Jimmy Carter's presidency up through the presidency of uh, George W. Bush. So uh, that, that's a quick overview of my background. And where do you teach now? So now I teach at the United States Naval War College, which is the Navy's graduate school. It's located in Newport, Rhode Island, a beautiful location right on the ocean. Uh, it was created in 1882. It's the oldest professional military education establishment in the U.S. It has a good uh, reputation. We draw officers from all around the globe. I think 60 different countries send their officers to the Naval War College. And I teach courses on national security affairs with a primary focus on the presidency and national security. Ah, great. So my first question for you today is why and how did you and, and Tony Williams, your co-author, decide to write about this particular historical alliance between Washington and Hamilton? It was the view of Tony and I that um, despite the fact that there are hundreds if not thousands of books out there, particularly on George Washington. For a variety of reasons, uh, throughout the past 220 or so years, 
the relationship between Washington and Hamilton has been somewhat slighted uh, in that it's been overshadowed by the more poetic relationship between uh, John Adams and Thomas Jefferson, or perhaps even more so the relationship between Thomas Jefferson and James Madison. And uh, there were a number of reasons for this. I think um, it's in some ways the Jefferson-Madison relationship, for instance, is a more it's a more poetic one. It's a more philosophical one and therefore appeals more, I think, to the scholarly community, whereas the relationship between Washington and Hamilton is one of sort of practical nation building. Uh, these were two men who were very pragmatic. Uh, they were sort of realists about the world. And so in some ways, I think that's caused them to be perhaps a little bit, or I would say more than a little bit, overshadowed by the those other relationships that I mentioned. And it's the contention of Tony and I that this was the critical alliance of the founding era, that without George Washington, with Alexander Hamilton close by his side during the American Revolution, that war does not succeed. Uh, without Washington and Hamilton at the Constitutional Convention, and by the way, Hamilton led the call along with Madison for the Philadelphia Convention. Uh, without those two, uh, not that Hamilton was a significant player in Philadelphia, uh, but he's sort of recruiting Washington to attend, and that was a critical development. And then Hamilton leads the fight for the ratification of the Constitution in the critical state of New York. And also, of course, Hamilton is the lead force behind the writing of the Federalist Papers. He's the one who recruits Madison and Jay. And then most importantly, well, I don't know, maybe that's an overstatement, but equally as important was the first eight years of this new republic under the Washington administration, where Hamilton becomes George Washington's closest advisor and the two men set so many precedents, not just for the presidency, but for American government writ large. And again, it's Tony and my belief that that relationship doesn't get the credit it's due. Uh, believe it or not, this is the first book ever written with the intention of focusing on the interaction between these two men. Wow, I had no idea that it was the only book that was on both of them. It's it's amazing. Again, I'm not you, you. You you can read a book on Hamilton and you'll find a lot of Washington references right. in the index and vice versa. But no one has ever focused like a laser beam on the interactions between these two men and just how critical they were to creating the United States of America. That's fascinating. That's fascinating. And and you know you you touched on the sort of the importance of this alliance. Um, and and you wrote not only you know, about the biographical aspects of these two men, which I found, you know, there are lots of stuff that I learned about, particularly Washington and his early years and, and you know, sort of what he was what he was up to, as it were, um, in trying to set himself up within society um, and politics and the military, you know, in, in colonial Virginia. Um, but it, it's also their sort of thinking about the republic and about independence and about the new constitution. Can you talk a little bit about their intellectual engagement with each other and what they were able to accomplish from their very different positions in society and the newly formed government? 
Well, the two of them, of course, forged this bond during the Revolutionary War. And if, if Tony and I argue in the book, you know, war is a bonding experience like like no other. And the two men were side by side from March 1st, 1777, when Hamilton joins Washington's staff, uh, right through the end of the war. They had a brief period where they broke over something fairly trivial, but um, they... Uh, their their political views were fostered or forged in this crucible of war, not to sound too cliched, but they began to see that under the Articles of Confederation, the American government was simply not functioning. Uh, there were just constant delays in terms of Washington's army receiving the men and the supplies uh, that it needed to conduct a war. And both men saw this up close and personal. Uh, Hamilton's the one drafting Washington's letters to the Continental Congress and to the various state governors pleading for men and supplies and support, uh, usually without great effect. Uh, and so both of them emerged from that war on the same plane, in other words, convinced that something needed to happen. Uh, that, that the Articles of Confederation either needed to be drastically reformed or scrapped altogether. So the two of them saw eye to eye on this whole idea that, particularly in the realm of national security, the federal got a new government, a new American government, uh, needed to be forged that would give the federal government the adequate powers it needed to defend the United States, both from foreign attack, but also perhaps from insurrections here at home. And and so to follow up with some of that, um, and I, I know you have a longstanding interest in Alexander Hamilton, who these days is like everybody's favorite founder, because there's a musical about him. Right. Um, but, you know, also Washington, who's, you know, been so examined and written about, you know, John Marshall wrote a biography about um, George Washington. Um, and so when you when you write when you're writing about Washington, the ground has been fairly well trod. Um, but integrating Hamilton and Washington together in a sort of unique perspective, what did you and Tony, you know, sort of find that was new and important for, you know, political scientists, for historians, for the lay reader to understand, um, particularly about these two individuals, at least in Washington's case, who's fairly well known? Again, another great question. Um, look, I really think, uh, despite all the work that's been done, as you mentioned, the just countless biographies, uh, and histories of George Washington's life and accomplishments, there really has been a kind of understated appreciation uh, for the fact that these two, both in war and in peace, bonded together. Um, and Washington, as a Virginian, you would have expected him to be more on the same page with his fellow Virginians, Jefferson and Madison. Exactly. And he was not. Yeah. Uh, here he is bonding with this, uh, I think Hamilton was 20, uh, either way, depending on when you credit Hamilton's birth date, either 23 or 25 years younger than George Washington. And yet Washington comes to respect Hamilton's intellect, 
Uh, he respects his ambition. He knows he's ambitious, but he thinks it's an ambition of the noblest kind. Um, and they, they share the same world view. Uh, they have a kind of, uh, skepticism toward, uh, more idealistic or visionary, uh, schemes that you see perhaps in Jefferson. Uh, they're realists, rock solid realists when it comes to their view of international relations. They have no illusions about uh, what the old world powers uh, might be up to in terms vis-a-vis the United States. Um, They, interestingly enough, uh, Hamilton, I think, um, certainly has a far better record on issues related to slavery than Jefferson and Madison do. Uh, And over time, uh, don't get me wrong here, I'm not saying that either one of them is an abolitionist, (laughs) but uh, over time, I think Washington does come to accept Hamilton's view uh, that slavery really is the sort of ticking time bomb that has the potential to undermine the American regime. And at least towards the end of his life, Washington begins to take steps to leave a legacy that stands in stark contrast to Jefferson's legacy. So, again, I I would say there's no sort of smoking gun (laughs) revelation in this book, but it does pound home lack of a better expression, this notion that this was the most important relationship of the founding era, and it's remarkable that it ever happened, because you have a penniless immigrant from the Caribbean and a relatively well-to-do Virginia grandee of sorts bonding together to forge a new nation and to leave a legacy that I believe, for the most part, uh, is worthy of our esteem. And, and so I, I just wanted to ask you, and I know this is not the, the you know, the emphasis of the book, obviously, um, but you've brought up, you know, the sort of contrasting relationship between Jefferson and Madison um, and the one that people often focus upon in terms of the founding period and Jefferson's place in the founding, even though he was absent, obviously, from the convention. Um, but this this relationship, the Washington and Hamilton and their their hand together in in the constitutional creation, um, what what is it about this relationship that is potentially more important uh, than the one between Madison and Jefferson or even Hamilton and Madison? Yeah, I, look, I would say again that uh, what makes this relationship more important is I don't see I don't see the Revolutionary War being a success. Now, you could pull Hamilton out of that equation and still say it. that was due to Washington primarily. He was not a great general, but he understood the uh, the fact that, you know, if he could keep the uh, American army alive, that revolution had a chance to succeed and he kept it alive. He kept it intact. Uh, moved to the Constitutional Convention without Washington's participation, which Hamilton lobbied hard for Washington to participate, I don't see it succeeding. Uh, without During the ratification debate, without the fact that the American public knew that Washington was uh, both a participant and had, had endorsed the final product, I don't see it succeeding. Without Hamilton fighting for ratification in the key state of New York, I don't see it succeeding. And then in that important first eight years of the new republic, These are the two men that build the foundation. They build the foundation for an energetic executive, use Hamilton's term. (laughs) Exactly. They 
Yeah. They um, create uh, – for better or for worse, I would say that Hamilton is the father of American capitalism. And it's uh, his plans with Washington's sanction uh, that I – sort of slowly launched the United States on the path to becoming an economic superpower. It's it's Hamilton's writings in the Federalist Papers and elsewhere, which will later be embraced by Chief Justice John Marshall, that allow for an interpretation of the Constitution that gives the federal government enough flexibility to actually get its job, get get its uh, to complete its tasks. Uh, the, the reasons are endless why these two men should be considered more important. But again, I think if you look at the course of American historiography, they don't get the credit they're due. Uh, there is this tendency to focus more on Jefferson and Madison. I think partly because Jefferson and Madison were more poetic. They were more philosophical. And that appeals to scholars. It's hard to fall in love. Richard Brookheiser has said this about Hamilton. It's hard to fall in love with your accountant. <laughs> um, I mean, I'm actually married to an accountant, so maybe <laughs> I need to be careful about saying that. But, uh, um, you know, the practical nation building that Washington and Hamilton exercise or conducted, that's why we make the case that these two deserve far more credit than they've uh, been given. Yeah, and, and I think that, you know, as you, you point out, there's this discussion about how they operated together in your book about in regard to the war, how they operated together in regard to the Constitutional Convention. Again, it's a kind of a romantic period um, in our founding, the Constitutional Convention and, you know, sort of how that came about and, and what happened there and, and you know, the, the secrecy involved and so forth. But then you talk about, like, essentially the functioning of government, that, that Hamilton and Washington together, even though Jefferson was in the cabinet for a time, that Hamilton and Washington together really sort of put into place the way that the, particularly the executive branch would operate, which, no, is, which, isn't, which isn't necessarily sexy. Yeah, no, that's exactly <laughs> right. Yeah, I mean, that's right. It's, it's hard to get fired up about, uh, you know, the removal debate or, uh, yeah, I uh, know. <laughs> uh, so, so many precedents being set for for the executive branch and for the American government writ large during that first eight year period. Uh, the removal power, uh, uh, the title, you know, the question of how the president's going to be addressed. Uh, how 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 accessible should the president be to the public at large? Uh, Hamilton is a player in all of these questions. Washington is repeatedly consulting Hamilton on questions of executive privilege, uh, on questions of uh, uh, particular policies like the Jay Treaty and the Neutrality Proclamation. Uh, and time and time again, Washington is siding with Hamilton. And of course, this is why, as you mentioned, Jefferson is a member of the cabinet, but doesn't last, I think he lasts about three years. Uh, he's constantly losing these debates uh, within the cabinet uh, uh, to Hamilton. Jefferson's losing to Hamilton. Washington is siding with Hamilton almost exclusively. There are a couple of exceptions. Um, 
And again, setting, you know, veto, using the veto power, the pardon power, which was used in the Whiskey Rebellion. Over and over again, Washington is is uh, following Hamilton's guidance. And uh, again, I just don't think there's this widespread knowledge of that alliance. And uh, in my view, it's it's a kind of a distortion of history uh, that 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 relationship has not been as celebrated as it has been, perhaps until Lynn Manuel Miranda came along. <laughs> God bless him, by the way. Yes, he's taught us a lot about the founding period in music yes, and yeah. rap. Yes, you have. <laughs> um, and so, you know, sort of one more one more question about this, and and I'm I'm curious, just you know, sort of from your research and and Tony's research, um, there you talked about the bonds that they formed in in the war, um, and the fact that like Jefferson wasn't present for so many of those experiences. And so is it that they were philosophically, that Washington and Hamilton were philosophically aligned, as well as having a personal relationship that neither of them had with Jefferson or Madison um, or Burr even? Uh, and, and so I am curious as, you know, what your research and, and what you're thinking about um, how that that sort of bond really stayed with them but it wasn't just because it was forged in the war which is very important but also the philosophical connection uh great point lily i mean i i really would put far more emphasis on the forming of a philosophical bond uh, that grows out of their frustrations with the articles of confederation and almost losing that war on countless occasions uh, it would be uh, inaccurate to say that Washington and Hamilton had a particularly tight personal bond until, I would say, the last few years of Washington's life. Then you begin to see this philosophical and sort of professional relationship begin to segue a bit into a deep and genuine personal affection. Uh, Washington is actually... Uh, when Hamilton's extramarital affair with Maria Reynolds is, is revealed, uh, Washington actually makes a point of sort of rallying to Hamilton's side uh, because what he sees, and he's, of course, right about this, is he sees the, the hidden hand of the Jeffersonians behind this revelation, which, which was true that Hamilton had had this extramarital affair. Uh, Washington rallies to his defense. And in the last four to five years of Washington's life, most of that period he would be a retire, an ex-president, you really do begin to see a kind of affection and almost a co-equal uh, relationship. This is no longer a general speaking to a staff officer or a president writing his treasury secretary. Uh, these are two men whose uh, political and philosophical friendship has now segued into, I think, a deep and genuine affectionate relationship. And of course, Hamilton was devastated when Washington dies. Uh, he writes that letter, which is frequently quoted out of context, in which he refers to, Hamilton refers to Washington as an aegis or a shield, very essential to Hamilton's career. And basically what Hamilton is saying is, look, without this guy, without George Washington, I'd be an unknown lawyer, you know, practicing law somewhere in Manhattan. 
Uh, he knows that Washington made him the significant figure that he became, uh, and he's extremely grateful for that. Uh, but again, the point being, back to your question, it was a philosophical alliance. They saw eye to eye, but towards the end of Washington's life, it becomes a genuine, personal, affectionate friendship. Did they visit at all? Do you know? Uh, in the post, uh, post-presidential post years? Yeah. Or, uh, that's a great question. I don't think so. Um, they just fact, wrote I, letters. They just wrote letters. Hamilton would be up, would have been up in New York City for the bulk of that time, uh, practicing law. Uh, Washington's down in Mount Vernon. So we're talking of a period here from March 1797 until December 1799 when Washington dies. And I'm fairly certain that they did not meet during that time. It was a brief period during the quasi-war with France when Washington was called back into service and Hamilton was made his number two guy, but I don't think they actually got together. If it did happen, it would have been right then and there. Uh, But I'm fairly certain there was no personal contact. But actually, one of the last letters that George Washington writes the day before he dies is a letter to Alexander Hamilton. That is actually quite poetic on the other side of the ledger, as it were. Um. That's right. So um, are you working on more on Alexander Hamilton, or what are you doing in terms of research projects as you move forward? Well, I'm taking a little bit of a break from Hamilton, although he's such a hot commodity now that he's a Broadway celebrity (laughs) that I still get asked to do quite a few talks and so forth related to Hamilton. But right now I'm co-editing a book uh, with Paul Carice at Arizona State University and Brian Paul Frost at Louisiana State University at Lafayette on the position of various American statesmen from Washington through President Obama on matters of war and peace. So it's a collection of essays about presidents, secretaries of state, some military figures, uh, even some uh, dissenters from various wars uh, uh, on their attitude. It's kind of an American view of, of matters of war and peace. And uh, God willing, that book is going to see the light of day either late this year or early 2018. Oh, that sounds great. Who's publishing it? Uh, Johns Hopkins University Press. Oh, wonderful. I look forward to looking at it. I, you've mentioned Thank something you. recently about Thomas Jefferson as Secretary of State. I'm wondering if that's from your work on this book. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it is not. Yes. I, I, <laughs> thanks for bringing that up, Lily. <laughs> I wrote. Uh, yes, I wrote an essay entitled uh, uh, something to the effect of America's worst secretary of state, uh, Thomas Jefferson. Um, that is primarily the result of uh, writing the previous book on Washington and Hamilton and um uh, just just delving into the extent to which Jefferson deceived President Washington. It's it's not a pretty picture. I don't think it speaks particularly well of Jefferson's character. Uh, he lied to President Washington by denying his role in fomenting opposition to the administration for which he worked. Um, kind of remarkable. Um, you know, I have a lot of respect for Jefferson in terms of being a poet, the poet of the American Revolution and sort of infusing the glorious cause with some pretty admirable, uh, uh, an admirable vision. But as a person, I think Jefferson had some serious 
lapses in terms of personal integrity. So I might have gone a little bit overboard <laughs> in that piece, but uh, and I certainly heard heard from some Jefferson admirers <laughs> about it. Uh, but uh, so be it. I understand. I read it and I I was intrigued. I was intrigued. Um, so. Thank you. <laughs> Well, thank you for joining me today on New Books in Political Science. And um, for anybody who's interested, Washington and Hamilton, The Alliance That Forged America by Stephen Knott and Tony Williams is published by Source Books and I believe is available at your local um, brick-and-mortar bookstore or, of course, um, online. Thanks for being with us today, Steve. Oh, thank you, Lily. This was terrific. Great questions. Thanks.